two readings today. The first reading is from Isaiah chapter 62, verse 11 to 12. The Lord has made proclamation to the ends of the earth. Say to daughter Zion, see, your Savior comes. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. They will be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord, and you will be called sought after, the city no longer deserted. Second reading from Luke chapter 8, verse 26. They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in the house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it has seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the dreamer into solitary places. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found a man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl of about twelve, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him, and a woman was there who had been sub- subject to bleeding for twelve years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, The people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. 
In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, Don't be afraid. Just believe, and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Thanks, Pong, and good morning, everyone. Welcome, particularly for everyone who's visiting us for the Baptism and Dedication Day. It's great to, great to have you here this morning. My name's Mark. If we haven't met, I'm one of the pastors here at Trinity Church Mowbray. Um, and you've probably gathered from what you've heard just this morning um, that Alicia, my wife, and I want Jesus to play an important part in, in Bailey's life, in our, in our little boy's life. Nathan and Belinda want Jesus to play an important part in Jeremy's life. And Michael and Michaela want Jesus to play an important part in Matilda's life as well. But what exactly does that mean? What does that mean? Um, does it mean that Jesus is their, their moral example, the, the person that we want them to, to model their lives on? Or maybe he's their emergency contact when, when everything else goes wrong and they've got no one else to turn to. They've got, they've got Jesus as a sort of a backup. Um, well, it's much more than that. Quite simply, we want all of their hope to be tied up in who Jesus is and what he came to do. I don't know what Bailey's life is going to be like. Um, I, don't, I don't know everything that's going to happen in his life. But I do know that, like all of us, he's going to live out that life in a world that's full of evil, full of sickness, and full of death. A world where innocent victims are caught up in violence, a world where a phone call or a bad diagnosis can turn life upside down in an instant. How do we deal with these sort of realities of the world that we live in? How, how do we deal with that? Do we ignore them and, and focus on the positives instead? Do we, do we push on through the pain? Do we just collapse under the weight of it all? Or what if there was someone we could turn to who had power over evil, sickness, and death. In the Bible passage that we've just read, Jesus meets three real people who have been deeply and personally impacted by the brokenness of the world. And by describing these three encounters, these three miracles, Luke wants us to, to face up to the realities of the world that we live in. But then to see that Jesus offers us true and lasting hope in the midst of it. Because he has power over evil, power over sickness, and power over death. So firstly, power over evil. 
Um, so last week we heard that Jesus just miraculously calmed a wild storm while he and his disciples are, are out on a boat. Um, they get to the shore. Just turn my clicker on. They, they get to the shore, and as Jesus steps ashore, he's met by a demon-possessed man. And this is a man whose life has been ruined by evil. Uh, we're told for a long time this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house. He lived in tombs. Uh, he's chained hand and foot and kept under guard, but the, the many demons who are inside him keep breaking through the chains and driving him away. And the first thing for us to see here is quite simply the reality of evil. It's destructive and, and dehumanizing power. Evil was just as real back then as it is today. Sometimes it's, we see evil in big front page news kind of ways, like um, the, the horrors that we're reading about in the Middle East at the moment, but, but sometimes in far less overt ways. Bullying, abuses of power, often when nobody on the outside even realizes that it's going on. Evil can play out in all sorts of different ways, but the bottom line is that evil is real. And there's not just human power behind evil, there's this spiritual power at work in it as well. We live in a, a spiritual battleground with an enemy who wants to destroy us and who will use any leverage he can to do that. Uh, we heard, if you were here last week, the parable of the sower, where, where we read that the devil can, can work in very subtle ways. Maybe sometimes it's just taking God's word out of our hearts before we've had the chance to, to internalize it and believe it. But here we see his evil in its full fury. And when there's human evil in the world, there is spiritual power at work. Now, that's not to say that humans aren't responsible for, for the evil uh, that we do, but, but rather that there, there's a stronger power than ours at work as well. But as we're confronted by the power of evil, Luke wants us to, to see and to know the even greater power of Jesus. The demons who have been terrorizing this poor man for years, as soon as they see Jesus, they know they're beaten. They know they're outmatched. And so all they can do is beg Jesus to, to let them go into the pigs who then run off into the lake and drown. We see that the forces of evil are no match for the power of Jesus. And we also see not just the um, combative power of Jesus, but the, the restorative and healing nature of Jesus' power as well. Um, the people, when they, they come back, they find Jesus, and, and they find the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. So you've got this broken, dehumanized guy who, who everyone, everyone knew to avoid this guy, and, and now he's looking as if nothing had ever happened to him. This is frightening power. The people of that town, they, they tell Jesus to leave, not because they're annoyed about the, the pigs and the, the surging bacon prices, but because they're, they're terrified of the power that Jesus has displayed. And notice, too, that, that everything about this encounter here is unclean. Um, you've got a, a Gentile town, so a, a town where non-Jewish people lived, 
Uh, there's pigs everywhere. Um, so this would have been bad enough for any normal Jewish person to, to run a mile at the first sign. Uh, then you throw in a, a naked, demon-possessed, homeless man and, and a graveyard full of dead bodies. And, well, it couldn't be more messy. But that doesn't stop Jesus. He isn't afraid to enter our mess. And the last thing we see here is that there's a right response to being saved by Jesus. Uh, this man from whom the demons had gone out, he begged to go with Jesus, but Jesus sent him away, saying to him, return home and tell how much God has done for you. And so the man went away and he told all over the town how much Jesus had done for him. This man, he knew that Jesus had handed him his life back. He'd given him his life back. And so he tells people. He tells them what God has done for him through Jesus. How he's been saved. So Jesus has power over evil and he has power over sickness as well. Jesus and his disciples, they get back in the boat, they cross over the lake, they get back into Jewish territory. And, and as they get there, a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his daughter was dying. Jairus is a, a successful, respectable guy. He's a, he's a synagogue leader. But it doesn't shield him from the brokenness of the world. It doesn't stop his 12-year-old daughter from having a terminal illness. And so in his moment of desperation, he falls at Jesus' feet. He begs for help. But as Jesus is on his way to help, he gets interrupted. Um, a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. Now, this poor woman, she's had chronic menstrual bleeding for, for more than a decade. Uh, it would have been painful it would have been humiliating. It would have been expensive as well. It sounds like she's seen a lot of doctors who haven't been able to help her. And also, it would have been socially isolating. Um, so under Jewish law, women were considered unclean when they had a, a discharge of blood. So they couldn't, they couldn't touch anyone or be around other people. Otherwise, those people would be unclean as well. Um, now, it wasn't that women were considered morally inferior or anything for, for having periods. There were similar laws that related to men as well. Um, it was more a way of helping the people just, just to understand just how pure God is, just, just how completely pure and perfect God is. The point is here that every part of this woman's life has been ruined by sickness. So physically, financially, socially, sickness has ruined every part of her life. And again, it, it brings us face to face with the reality of physical and mental illness in the broken world that we live in. I know that for, for many of us here this morning, sickness has taken its toll, uh, whether it's our own sickness or whether it's that of someone that we love, um, whether it's cancer, dementia, autoimmune conditions, uh, depression. It plays out in, in so many different ways. But as we're confronted by the overwhelming weight of mental and physical illness, Luke shows us the reality of Jesus' power 
over sickness. Now, this woman who, who we heard about, she came up behind Jesus. She touched the edge of his cloak. And immediately, her bleeding stopped. So this woman who's been sick for 12 years, she touches Jesus and she's instantly healed. Jesus has the power to heal a disease that no doctors in that whole region have been able to and without even doing anything. And just like the demon-possessed man, we see how this woman responds to Jesus' healing power. Jesus, he, he turns to the crowd, he asks who touched him and And the woman, seeing that she couldn't go unnoticed, came trembling at his feet. And in the presence of all the people, with everyone listening, she told why she had touched him and how she'd been instantly healed. So she declares, not just to Jesus, but to to everyone there in that crowd, what he's done for her. The sickness that, that brought her to him in desperation. The healing that he's given to her the pain and the shame that he's lifted off her. And Jesus tells her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Everyone else in that crowd, they would have seen this woman as someone to be pitied, someone to be avoided, someone to be kept at arm's length. Jesus sees her as a beloved daughter. A daughter whose faith has brought her not just immediate physical healing, but but a greater and unending spiritual healing. Uh, When he tells her to to go in peace, he's not just telling her to have some sort of calm, inner sense of tranquility as she walks off into the distance. What, What he means is that this woman has peace with God. The faith that has healed her now has saved her forever. So Jesus has power over evil, power over sickness, and lastly we see that he's got power over death. Now, while Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, uh, to tell him that his daughter has died, his only daughter, his 12-year-old daughter. And hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. Just like the woman's faith healed her, Jesus wants Jairus to have faith in this moment. Uh, they get to the house and people, people are mourning, people are crying. She's definitely dead. Everyone knows it. They laugh at Jesus when he tells them that she's just asleep. And once again, we're we're confronted with perhaps the cruelest reality in our world, death. I saw a picture on the the internet a while ago. It it showed a long queue of of people lined up in a field and sort of one by one, they were were getting pulled up into the sky. And there there was this caption underneath with, with words to the effect of how in life there's a death queue that we're all in. Uh, Most of us have no idea how close we are to the front of it. Um, Most of us have no idea where our loved ones are in it either. Death is that cruel enemy that that rips us apart from the people that we love. The enemy that's going to get all of us sooner or later. Nothing we can do about it. And yet Jesus, 
we see here has power even over death. Jesus takes the girl by the hand and, and tells her, my child, get up. And her spirit returned and at once she stood up. Power over death. As far as Jesus was concerned, this girl really was just asleep. Jesus tells the parents to keep this a secret, what they've seen. Which seems a bit strange, doesn't it? He told the demon-possessed man to, to go and tell everyone what had happened. Uh, we're not told why. He wants to keep this a secret. I mean, it'd be pretty obvious, I suppose, once the girl walks out of the room. Um, it's likely because the people who lived near the demon-possessed man, they, they were people who hadn't heard about Jesus. They needed to hear about Jesus' healing power. Um, but the Jewish people who lived near this little girl, they... They'd seen Jesus, they'd heard about him, they'd had the chance uh, to hear about his healing power before. Jesus doesn't want them just to be focused on the miracles. Um, he wants them to, to see the significance behind the miracles. And that's what Luke wants for us as well as he records these events. Uh, we've met three people who, who are deeply affected by a world that isn't the way it's supposed to be. And what we've seen is that even though Jesus walked the other side of the globe 2,000 years ago, it was the same world that we live in today. The same hurts and pains and struggles that we experience today. And these three healings, they show us that Jesus has power over evil, power over sickness, power over death that he has the power to undo everything that's wrong with our world. And they give us hope that one day he's going to overthrow these things forever. In our Isaiah reading that we had earlier today, we see God affectionately likening his people to a daughter, promising them that a saviour is going to come for them. And Jesus, who, who brings healing to these two precious daughters that we met this morning, he is that saviour. He's come to rescue his people from evil, sickness, death, all sadness and pain. And he'll do it by going right to the root of the problem. Dealing with our sin and overthrowing the forces of evil in the world. And he'll do that through his death, his resurrection, and his return. When Jesus was raised back to life, he was proving once and for all that he really does have full power over death. Death really is just sleep. There's life on the other side of it. A life that we can share in with Jesus. A life with no evil, no sickness, no dying. These miracles here, they're here to, to whet our appetite for this perfect life that Jesus calls us towards. And it was Jesus' death that bought us the right to share in this life. When he died on the cross, Jesus really was entering into our mess. He was taking on himself all of the guilt, um, 
all of the shame, everything that makes us unworthy to have peace with God, to be able to stand before God. In other words, he was dying the death that we should have, taking the judgment that we should have, healing us from the the terminal illness of our sin. And by doing that, he was also disarming the devil. He was disarming evil. Because if Jesus hadn't died for us, the, the devil, he'd be able to accuse us of all of the wrong things that we've said and thought and done. He'd be able to convince us that God would never, ever want to accept us because of these things. But he can't do that now. Because if we've put our trust in Jesus, we, we can know for sure that Jesus has taken our guilt on himself. There's nothing, nothing for us to be accused of before God. And so the greatest act of evil in all of human history, the, the murder of the, the innocent and perfect son of God, Jesus, this greatest act of evil was God's way of undoing evil, of disarming evil. And one day Jesus is going to return and he's going to set things right once and for all to overthrow evil, sickness and death for good. Uh, To bring the perfect everlasting healing that, that these three miracles here point us towards. The hope that Jesus gives us is that he is powerful over the worst of evils, the most debilitating of sicknesses, and even over death itself. Evil, sickness, death, they will have affected all of us here in different ways. I I don't know everyone's life story here. I I don't know how these things um, have shaped and and impacted your life. Um, Maybe it's a long-term illness. Maybe it's the, the loss of a loved one who you're grieving. Uh, maybe it's an abusive situation that you found yourself caught up in. Luke doesn't record these miracles here to, to give us easy answers or quick fixes uh, for any of these struggles. Like Jairus, the synagogue leader, we, we can come to Jesus. In fact, we should come to Jesus in our pain and in our need. We, we, we should pray and trust in God's fatherly love, in his power in his good purposes but we do it knowing that the healing or the justice that we're praying for it might not come in this lifetime it might not come in the way that we'd like it to in this moment when jesus told jairus to to believe and and his daughter will be healed he wasn't making a a literal blanket promise for for all people that that if we have enough faith, there'll be the miraculous healing that we're praying for in that moment. That wasn't what he was promising. He was pointing to an even greater truth than that, a a truth that doesn't rely on us having the, the right amount of strong faith in that moment, but a truth that relies on who it is that we have faith in. That if we believe in Jesus will be saved. And so in the midst of pain, 
and grief. We can long with sure hope for that day when, when all evil, all sickness, all death are going to be gone forever. And we can rejoice that Jesus has made it possible for us to share in that day by laying down his life for us. So if I come back to the question I asked at the start, what is it that I'm hoping for for Bailey? What is it that Nathan and Belinda are hoping for for Jeremy? What is it that Michael and Michaela are hoping for for Matilda? Well, as I think about Bailey and what I want for him, I'd, I'd love him to be happy in life. I'd love him to be healthy. I'd love him to, to choose good friends, to, to have a solid career, uh, to be able to afford a house before he's 70, uh, to, to not be affected by climate change or war or, or whatever else is going to be in the headlines in the coming decades. But most of all, I want him to know Jesus as his Lord and Saviour. I can't protect him from, from all the evil, sickness and death that he's going to face in his life. But I want him to rejoice that Jesus is powerful over it all. That Jesus came to undo all that's wrong with the world. That's what I hope, not just for Bailey, not just for, for Rory, our older boy, but, but for all of us. That all of our hope will be tied up in Jesus. Uh, that as we face evil, as we face sickness, and as we face death, that it would bring us to our knees before Jesus in those moments. And that as we grasp his healing power in forgiving our sins and bringing us peace with God, we'll not be able to help but joyfully declare what he's done for us. Let's pray. God, we look around at a world full of evil, full of sickness, full of death, and we rejoice that Jesus came to undo all of these things, that he's disarmed sin and evil at the cross, that he's defeated death through his resurrection, and that one day we'll fully experience this victory forever. As we endure the struggles of our broken world, please help us to keep our eyes fixed on that day, to put our hope in the healing that Jesus came to bring. Amen.